Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Now it's my privilege to introduce our speaker today. And uh, Dan McCollum is a man of wisdom and um, authority uh, in, and integrity in the, in the kingdom of God. And uh, not only does he have incredible revelation, uh, but he carries it in such a friendly, approachable way. And he takes the complex things of the kingdom and supernaturally makes them easy to understand and in, to ingest. And I tell you, um, you know, in the kingdom, there's many teachers, there's not many fathers, but someone who walks in power and authority and wisdom, but carries it in humility, is someone that we should strive to emulate. And that is Dan McCollum, to a T. So, now one of my heroes, why don't we stand up and really honor Dan McCollum as he comes to share with us this morning. Wow, thank you. That was an amazing introduction. <laughs> kind of feeling the pressure now. <laughs> no, not really. But hi. <laughs> it's so good to be with you guys today. You know, um, Bethel Austin is a supernatural stake in the ground. It's, it's important that you know that our role as a church is important to the city. There's many great churches that each bring a treasure of the flavor or the fragrance of Jesus. But one of our distinctives, one of our flavors here at Bethel Austin is we're a supernatural stake in the ground. And one of the great challenges is when our faith is under fire. Isn't it? The challenges to our faith are many. <laughs> I mean, that's how we grow. That's how we increase. And, and my faith has been challenged many times. And even in the last season, there's been challenges to my faith. And, and I, I want to go to a place today, and the setup for it's a little weird, so I'm just going to tell you that up front. Because I want to talk about the five times in Scripture that Jesus spoke to people about having little faith. But little faith isn't what you think. Little faith isn't having, not having enough faith. Okay? Little faith is either putting your faith in the wrong thing or not believing for enough. All right? Little faith is not how much you have. It's how much you're believing for. A lot of times our prayers are unanswered because we're believing too small and God would have to compromise his goodness to answer a prayer. <laughs> and we think that more faith is to pray louder or pray longer. Like if I could just pray long enough, I'll wear God out and he'll give it to me. Or if I can just pray loud enough so that he'll know I'm really serious, you know, that's, that's deep faith. No, that's deep religion. 
Faith is not a question of how. It's not a question of what. It's not a question of when. Faith is always a question of who. Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God for the one who, the one who comes to God must believe that he is. Faith is in who Christ is, not in what he'll do. I mean, we can believe for what he'll do because of who he is. But a lot of times we get our focus on the what or the how or the when rather than the who. And then we wonder why it doesn't work. It's because faith is always a who. And if it doesn't start with a who, it doesn't end with a what. Faith is, always a manif- faith is always in a manifestation of God's divine nature and character. Every attribute of God is an invitation to an encounter. It's an invitation to an experience, an invitation to a provision. And uh, little faith is when we get distracted from that, when we get off track from that. Um, when we're asking too small or we're asking the wrong way or we're asking in the wrong things, those kind of distractions cause what Jesus referred to as little faith. So we're going to look at these five times in Scripture where Jesus says, Oh, ye of little faith. Five times in the book of Matthew. They're, they're all in the book of Matthew. Um, it's interesting that each one of the writers of the Gospels have a different kind of focus or keyword. Matthew's really into faith. Mark's really into power. John's really into love. And Luke's really into details. He's, he's just a detail guy. Like, that's where you get all the information right there. And there's more to it than that, but it's, it's, it's good stuff. So Matthew, Matthew is always talking about faith. He takes, talks about faith a lot. And um, as I said earlier, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So it's an important thing. It's actually a substance of our Christian life. And, and the first thing I want you to know about faith, this is not one of the points, but the first thing I want you to understand about it is Romans 12, 3 says, to each one has been given a measure of faith. So you already have all the faith you need to do everything that is impossible. It, you already possess it. So that kind of idea that, oh, if I only had more faith, I could do it. No, that's not how it works, all right? That's not how faith works. You've already received, to each one has been given a measure of faith. You already have the faith. You already have the substance that you need. It's how you're stewarding that substance, okay? So we're gonna look at these five areas that were, um, you know, the challenges of faith where Jesus said, O ye of little faith. And the weird thing is that whole phrase, O ye of little faith, is one word in the Greek. Um, and it, it means lacking confidence or trusting too little. Um, but some of the mistakes we make is sometimes we have faith in our faith. We're like, if I could just believe hard enough, then this would happen. That's not faith in God, that's faith in faith. Sometimes we have faith in ourselves. We're like, you know, well, I don't know if I have enough faith. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I prayed enough. I don't know if I'm uh, intimate enough with Jesus. Well, he's in you, yours in him. 
you're in him, uh, how much closer can you get than that? As a matter of fact, we're, we're a little weak in our understanding of the theology of abiding. Listen, Christ in you is the hope of glory. <laughs> All fruitfulness comes from abiding in Christ. So even that is like, well, I don't know if I really have what I need. Well, he said you did. This is not about faith in you. This is not about faith in faith. This is about faith in God. And, and so keeping that central is, is really important. Well, let's jump to these five times because each one of these is going to have a little bit of a ministry time or a breakthrough associated with it. The first one is this. It's uh, in Matthew eight twenty six, where a storm comes up on the sea. The disciples are in the boat. Jesus is sleeping, which is really cool. We all know that famous Bill Johnson quote that you have authority over the storms you can sleep in or you can rest in, which is awesome. I wish I'd said that. Um, do you ever feel like Bill's reading a different Bible than you are? Like, he says things, you're like, where is that again? Where, uh, how did I miss that? I love that about him. But anyway, when fishermen are afraid in a boat, you've got a problem. <laughs> All right? Like when fishermen, guys that have been on the sea their whole life, or, or uh, you know, and they're afraid of a storm in a boat, then you know this is not just a little thing. This is, this is a real problem. And so what do they do? They wake up Jesus, and they go to Jesus, and they're like, oh, Lord, help us. I thought it was a great prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else think it's a great prayer? Jesus, help. Hey, listen, sometimes your best prayer is Jesus, help. Like, just help God, you know? It's awesome, but isn't it interesting that Jesus wakes up. Now, I don't think he was just grouchy from napping, but Jesus wakes up and he says, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. And then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm, and all the disciples were freaked out. Why are you so afraid? Why do you have such little faith? What, what's going on there? Did you know that God is an ever-present help in the time of trouble, but he's not into helicopter parenting? I'm going to say that again because it actually hit me during worship. I wrote it down. <laughs> Helicopter parenting or hovering over children rather than encouraging their autonomy and healthy um, individuality, excessive anxiety about children failing or getting hurt, being overly involved in areas of a child's life. Helicopter parenting is when parents are over-involved in their child's life many times as a way to protect their child. This style can result in the child lacking independence, having poor decision-making and coping skills. (laughs) 
yeah, I was during worship. He's like, I'm not a helicopter parent. And I'm like, oh, he's like, I am an ever present help in the time of trouble, but I'm actually trying to establish mature sons and daughters of God in the earth. And Jesus is in a sense saying here, why did you guys not speak to your atmosphere? It's okay, like, Lord help is not a bad prayer. Don't get me wrong. But you have to take some responsibility at some time for your atmosphere. As a son and daughter of God, as someone who actually has been given power and authority in Jesus Christ, your faith should not just be for rescue. Your faith should be for transformation. And your faith should not just be in the visitations of God where he comes and rescues you, but in the habitation of God where he lives inside of you and wants you to be a manifestation of the kingdom of God. And he's saying to these guys, why are you letting the storm affect you? Why are you letting the out? Side atmosphere affect your inside atmosphere. I'm right here. I catch myself doing this. Just being real. I catch myself doing this. I watch the news and I start getting freaked out for America. Anybody else? And, and I'm like, what's happening? How are we losing control? What's going on? And, and I can get a little freaked out. And then I remember, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the city on a hill that can't be hidden. Quit acting like a victim of your circumstances and breathe the salt and the light that you are in Jesus Christ. You know, for years, I traveled for 20 years as an itinerant minister, usually two weeks a month, and usually internationally. About 70% of it was different countries of the world. I'd, I'd go all over the world, and, and I'd walk into places, and as a prophetic person, I would read the atmosphere. And I'd be like, oh, man, there's some funky stuff in this atmosphere. There's some weird stuff going on. And... Um, and like, oh, man, there's a spirit of unbelief here. Or there's a spirit of poverty here. There's a spirit of witchcraft here. And I would kind of identify what was going on with the foe um, in the atmosphere. And many times, I would have inferior meetings than my expectation. And one day, way too late in the game, <laughs> The Lord said, Dano, your acknowledgement is a form of agreement. And he said, what you acknowledge, you empower. And he said, I want you to not acknowledge the outward atmosphere. I want you to acknowledge the inward atmosphere. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The kingdom of God inside of you is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Listen, when it's dark out there, remember, that's why you're here. Don't be overcome by the darkness, but realize that your light's going to look all that much better. Speak 
to your atmosphere. Speak to your atmosphere. Don't just, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. Yeah, he's there. He'll help. He wants to. He's love. He's good. But he's looking for mature sons and daughters. He's looking for people who know the power of Christ in you. He's looking for people who are not victims of their environment, but victors in all things. He's looking for people who know how to live this inside-out kingdom. And so he says to these guys, where's your faith? What is going on with your faith that all you can do is ask me for help? We've had a couple situations in our ministry recently where we just needed a person to help us get to the next level. And, um, and I've been praying about it. I've been asking, you know, the Lord, hey, Lord, help us, you know, show us all this stuff. And one day, Bethany, who is uh, a ministry partner with a co-founder with Regina and I in our ministry, she goes, let's just call it in. Let's just call them in. We called, we called this person in, and a week later, there they were. I mean, I had this on my heart. I was praying it, asking it for months, and she's like, let's just call it in. Yeah, I know. Yay, Bethany. But the point... <laughs> It's true. She's got a wonderful gift of faith. But what I'm saying is, have you spoke to your mountain? Have you spoke to your mountain? Have you used the faith that you have? I'm not talking about doing things apart from Christ. I'm talking about using your Christ authority, using your Christ power, using your gift of faith to actually change your atmosphere instead of standing around like a victim screaming, help me, help me. It's about growing up. I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm passionate about this, but I'm not mad. I'm sorry. If I, if I seem mad, it's, it's like, no, I'm good. I love you. You're awesome. All right, so the next time this happens, first time's about the atmosphere. The next time this happens is when Peter's walking on the water. All right, so this is another boat thing, and they're in the boat, and Jesus comes walking across the water, Fun little side note, it said, and would have passed them by. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> and, uh, and a bunch of the guys think it's a ghost. <laughs> and then Peter realizes, no, it's the Lord. And then he's like, he does this awesome fleece. A fleece is like a testing of spiritual realities. And he goes, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you on the water. That's a stupid fleece. Have you ever thought about it? Like, if that wasn't Jesus. <laughs> That's the thing about fleeces. They can be really stupid. They're <laughs> they only carry the horsepower of the person's IQ. And, and um, 
<laughs> that's not theology. That's meology, but it's true. But anyway, um, so they see Jesus. Peter's like, hey, if that's you, tell me to come. And he steps out and starts walking on water. Come on. I know in Bethel, probably a lot of you have tried it. (laughs) I won't have you raise your hands, but I know that this would be the highest percentage of any church in the region that have attempted walking up on water. So I love that about you guys. I love that about you guys. <laughs> Graham Cook told me a story about a guy who um, who had been praying for he he lived on an island and he'd been praying for this other island for for many many years and um, they didn't I don't know what the whole situation is but they didn't have an ability to get to that other island it had to do with currents it had to do with you know, boats and wealth and all this kind of stuff. But he'd been praying for this island, and one of the days, one one day the Lord told him, walk. (laughs) And he did. And And he walks to this other island. They see him coming, and they all give their life to Jesus because they saw him walking on the water, had authority. I have another friend who was in the Himalayas and he had been hiking for many days to get to this village that he saw in a dream. He saw this village in a dream, found out where it was, began to hike there to share the gospel. And he's hiking for days. It's farther and harder than he thought. He's on a mountain peak and, uh, and he's out of food. He's out of water and he's out of energy. And he's like, Lord, I'm gonna die. I'm going to die here. And all of a sudden, some monks come running up the mountain. And when they get to the top of the mountain, they run from this peak over to the peak where the village was, across the air. This is his story. I know. But it's not that different than what we're reading right now. Okay? Okay. So he's like, Lord, I'm going to die. I saw this vision in the dream. I can see the village on the other mountain, but I can't get there. Going down another hill, through the valley, up another mountain. Lord, I can't do it. I'm going to die. I'm out of water. I'm out of food. I'm out of energy. I'm out of strength. And all of a sudden, these monks come running by him and run across from peak to peak. And he's like, Lord, if you can't do that for me, then what am I even doing? And he walks to the peak. He walks from one side to the other side. And when he arrives, because he could do what the monks did, they listened to his preaching. And many in that village gave their lives to Jesus. Now, this isn't about going out to the park And pulling your own little Indiana Jones step of faith there. Um, what is this about? So Peter walks on water for a bit. 
And then he looks at the waves and the wind, and he, and he starts freaking out, and he starts to sink, and he, what does he do? Lord, help. Remember, it's not a bad prayer. He is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. The Lord does rescue him, but when he grabs him, he goes, oh, you have little faith. Now, I'm kind of like, I, forgive me for this, but I would have been like, well, I did better than these guys. Like, they thought you were a ghost, like, and they're still in the boat. I, you know, I took a couple steps here, Lord. Like, you know, like, give me something here. <laughs> but it says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And this is about distracted faith. This is about faith that starts out right. It, it starts out focused on Jesus. It starts doing the impossible. But then it gets distracted by all the stuff going on. I think one of the great challenges of being a supernatural stake in the ground for the city is this area of distraction. You know... We can even get distracted by good things. We can get distracted by all the needs. We can get distracted by, um, uh, we can get distracted by our events. We can get just distracted within our time management. We can get distracted by the things around us. And the thing that originally got us in this supernatural journey, we've kind of lost sight of. Remember, Jesus isn't talking about how much faith he has Because God has given to each one a measure of faith. He's talking about where his faith is focused. You've lost the focus on me. And you've lost the focus on the impossible here. And and it's about keeping our focus. It's about speaking to our atmosphere. Quit living like a victim. It's about keeping our focus on Jesus. And knowing that we've already taken steps out of the boat. It's not time to turn back now, guys. Come on, we're <laughs> remember in John six six six, where Jesus was doing a communion service that had a little cannibalistic uh, metaphor in it. He's like, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you can't have any part of me. And everybody got freaked out and left. The whole crowd left, and Jesus turned to his disciples. I'm sure they're freaked out too. And he goes, are you guys leaving too? And they're like, we're too far in. (laughs) Like, we're too far in to go back. And they said, you have the words of life. In other words, we believe you. Your words are spirit. Your words are life. Hey, guys, we are Bethel Austin. We're too far in to go back. Come on. We started this thing with our eyes on Jesus. We started, our, we started this thing with a mission of the impossible. Why are we going to care about the things that are coming against this impossible situation? Let's keep our eyes on Jesus and keep walking. Here's the third story. It's, a, it's another funny one. So in Matthew 16, 8... I'll, I'll just, for those of you that are note takers, I just heard that in the spirit. It was Matthew 8, 26 was the storm. Matthew 14, 31 was walking on water. Matthew 16, 8, Jesus is talking. 
beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's, he's giving a spiritual principle, and all of a sudden, the guys are like, yeast, bread. Oh, we forgot bread. All right? So they're freaking out. They're in a boat. Again, what is this about boats? Okay. And, um, and so they're like, dude, did you bring the bread? No, I didn't bring the bread. Did you bring the bread? No, I don't have the bread. Um, so they're, they're freaking out because they're a bunch of guys. All right? In, in this situation, you know, if Mary was there, she'd have brought the bread. You know, like, <laughs> mom always packs the picnic. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and you just don't even realize that you're walking out the door and she's been working for hours. You know what I mean? Like, kind of deal. But anyway, the guys are like, where's the bread? We didn't bring bread. And, um, and Jesus, here it is. He goes, <laughs> Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, you have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? All right. <laughs> This is a weird one because it's not necessarily, you know, the other one was a storm and how they reacted to the storm. And then there's Peter reacting to doing the impossible. This is just about a way of thinking. This isn't about a major problem. This is like, we, 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 don't, have, we don't have bread today. I mean, there's bread available not far away, you know? Um, it's not like we don't have any money or we don't have any ability. It's like, hey, we don't have bread in the here and now. And he goes, don't you remember? Don't you remember that with five loaves of bread, I fed 5,000 people? Don't you remember the ones that we fed 4,000? And remember how many baskets you guys picked up afterwards? Oh, you of little faith. This is not, this this is not the crisis of faith in the big things. This is the crisis of faith in just remembering what God has done for you. Did you know that your heavenly highlight reel is supposed to propel you to new levels of faith? That rejoicing in the Lord is about reliving the moments of, of what God has done in you and for you. And reminding yourself what's going on. I was in a village in Fiji, like in the bush. This is where you're not allowed as a man to wear pants. I had to wear a man skirt called a Sulu. I'm not real comfortable in a skirt. Don't know the etiquette <laughs> of skirt wearing, how to sit, those kind of things. And I've got like a lay of real flowers around my neck. And every bug in Fiji is coming to me for these flowers. And I'm like, is this a gift of honor or am I bug repellent? Like, that's a real question that I had in that moment. But anyway, I'm sitting in this church and I get up to speak. And, and I was telling about how um, last time I was in Fiji, we did a healing conference. And uh, we saw all these miracles. It was really powerful. Uh, I think it was that meeting where we had over 30 uh, we had 32 blind people that were healed in that meeting. Yeah, it, it was it was fun. Uh, yeah, but um, but we got back to the hotel when the meeting was over, when the whole conference was over, and it was maybe another eight hours. And this family walks in, and they 
they said, hey, we heard there was a healing conference. We're like, yeah, sorry, you know, it's over. <laughs> we're tired, we're, you know, we're off the clock kind of thing. And, because uh, you gotta have boundaries, you guys. You gotta have boundaries. You will drown on the ocean of need. Jesus wasn't moved by need, he was moved by faith. So anyway, we're, uh, we're there, and uh they had this 11-year-old boy with them who was deaf and mute. And they said, we walked for three days to get here. We're so sorry we're late. But, you know, it was just slower going with the children than we thought. And, uh, but our 11-year-old has been deaf and uh, mute his whole life. And uh, so a couple of us went up and prayed for him, and the Lord healed him. And, yeah, it was awesome. And, and honestly, it was like a tired prayer. It was just like, oh, Jesus. You know, I, I love that. I love that you don't have to feel powerful to be powerful, you know. But uh, anyway, I was in this little village, and I'm telling this story. I'm saying, yeah, there was this 11-year-old boy, and the family came. And while I'm telling it, this man pushes his son up in front of me. And I'm, I'm preaching. And he just, he's kind of pushing him. And then this little boy's standing there, and, and the guy walks back and sits down. I know. I know. It's a little weird. And uh, so I turn to the interpreter. I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, this, this is an 11-year-old boy also who is deaf and mute, and they just want you to do it again. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. You're giving a testimony and somebody's like, yeah, I believe you. Now do it again. (laughs) I've been in that moment more than one time, actually. And I'll tell you that sometimes I would do a self-evaluation, which I told you don't do. Do I have the faith for this? Am I prepared for this? Am I in the right place for this? This is not about you. Get off of you. All right? Am I believing enough? Do I have enough faith? Nope, it's not about how much faith you have. It's about what you can believe for. And so in that moment, this is exactly what I did. I got down on my knees and I put my hand on this little boy's head. And all I did, I didn't even pray, to be honest with you. I just began to thank the Lord and recount all the miracles I'd seen. I said, Lord, and this was off the mic. I'm just talking to the Lord. Just... It's just him and me right now. And I'm like, Lord, I remember that little, I remember the first words out of that 11-year-old boy's mouth. Lord, I remember that, that woman who was blind and she looked up in the choir loft and saw her son in the choir and starts screaming for joy. I remember, and I began to recount all the goodness of the Lord to me. And all the things that I'd been so privileged to see. And I said, Lord, would you just do it again? And all of a sudden, the boy's eyes shoot open. And he begins to say, Bula, Bula, Bula. Which means life and, and hello. But he could, he could hear and he could speak. Jesus is saying here. He's saying here to the disciples, you're lacking faith because you've forgotten what we've been through together. You've forgotten what you've seen. 
You're, you're, you're trying to generate a fresh faith for something you're already exercised in. You've already seen me do this. We've already been through this together. Call that former faith into your now and let the testimony of Jesus be the spirit of prophecy for this person so that what happened there is now possible here even just by way of testimony. Little faith wasn't about how much he had. It's about what he was remembering, what he was thinking, what he was focusing on in that moment. Number four. <laughs> okay, we're gonna, we gotta speed this up a little bit. In uh, Matthew 17, 20, um, the disciples were trying to cast a demon out of a boy and it wasn't working. And so finally Jesus came and there was kind of a disruption going on. He goes, What's going on? What's the problem here? And they're like, hey, we tried to cast this demon out, but um, it's not working, you know. And Jesus turns to them and says, oh, you of little faith. Um, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Okay, this is where we know that Jesus is not talking about the size of their faith. Because he's saying, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, a mustard seed is the smallest seed in that culture, in that territory. It's it's almost like a coarse grain of salt or a or a small grain of pepper. It's it's that small the seed is, and yet it grows quickly and it grows really tall. So the Lord would use this mustard seed kind of faith and parable quite often, but he's saying, faith that big. That much of this real thing, you can say to a mountain, move from this place to this place, and it will happen. So we know that OU of little faith is not that you have less than this. It's that there's some wrong focus here. Or there's something. So here's my story, and i got to be quick. But I'm, I'm in India. And I'm doing a prayer line, and God is touching people. I'm going down the prayer line. Finally, I get to this little skinny guy. He's probably about 99 pounds. I lay hands on him. He goes out in the spirit, and while he's out, the Lord says, stop. So I stopped. And this is just his inner voice to my heart. Didn't hear anything audibly. And the Lord's like, there, there is a, there's a, a, a demon here, you know. And, and so I'm like, oh, I'll take care of it. Now, I have cast out thousands of demons, and I'm not talking about, like, emotional problems masking as demons. I'm not talking about people who have attention problems and, and, and they're just acting like demons. I, I'll take a demon-possessed person over a mean religious person any day because I can cast the demon out, but I can't deal with your religious stank. <laughs> so I've, I've cast out thousands. I mean, one time I had, this, I had this girl I was praying for, and when I was praying for her, her eyes turned in her head. It's called anamorphism. 
and they turned into tiger's eyes. They, they turned the shape and the color of tiger's eyes, which was the specific local God that she worshiped. And then, and I'd been trying to cast this demon out probably about 15, 20 minutes uh, through an interpreter. And then the demon goes, you can't have her. It was worse than that, actually. Like the voice was just scary and gruff and, and, and kind of surround sound kind of deal. And, <laughs> and it, it was really freaky because her head turned, and then her eyes went, and then you can't have her. And I'm like, you speak English. Thank God. And I push the... The demon spoke English. I pushed the interpreter aside, and she was free in about three minutes. It, it was awesome. It was awesome. Okay. But anyway, but anyway, not this time. This time, I'm like, so the guy stands back up, little bitty thing. I'm praying for him. Oh, foul spirit, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Come out. And I'm just whispering it in his ear. While I am, he puts two fingers in my chest and picks me off the ground with two fingers and throws me 30 feet. I'm talking at least from here to that pole, probably farther. I pass the senior leader's head in a plank position. (laughs) And she goes, oh, that can't be good. <laughs> Do you understand what's happening here? I'm getting cast out by a demon. <laughs> this is the ultimate role reversal. This is not how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> so then all these Indian guys jump on this person that's manifesting the demon, pin them to the ground. He's flailing them, he's throwing them. And then every bad method of deliverance that has ever existed (laughs) starts to come to the surface. Like, you know, they're like, you know, throwing the fire of God at him and he's screaming and they're throwing holy water and they're, you know, hitting him with the Bible. And I mean, all kinds of like horrible, horrible. I mean, this guy's going to need deliverance from his deliverance. You know what I mean? Kind of deal. And, um, and I'm walking around, now I'm, I'm like walking around the tent praying, Lord, what did I do wrong? What's going on? Like, that's, it's not supposed to happen this way, you know? And while I'm walking around, I see my, my driver, you know, the person who's escorting us around. And I'm like, hey man, how's it going? And I'm not kidding. He starts hissing at me like a cat and scratches bloodlines in his face. I'm like, oh, this is a bigger issue than just this guy over here. Like, (laughs) not kidding. (laughs) I open up the flap of the tent. People walking by are laying on the ground manifesting demons. (laughs) So now I know, okay, there's kind of a territorial spirit that's in this little dude. All right, so that's good intel. And uh, then I'm like, well, Lord, what do I do? And he said, well, this thing started with a spirit of inferiority. And he said, the more attention you give it, the more power it's getting. And he said, you should have brought this young man out of the tent to a private place and done this like not in front of people. 
And I'm like, okay, well, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry that I stepped out in presumption and wasn't checking in with you and, you know, scored some air miles in the spirit there. And, <laughs> um, but, but what do I do? And he said, well, he said, go over there and tell the guys holding him to let him go and not look at him. The meeting had kind of like it, it had kind of dissipated where there was all kind of ministry groups. So there was no longer a primary focus on this particular person. And I, I go over to the guys that are holding him. He's still throwing them around. And I go, hey, guys, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to let go of him and don't look at him. And they're looking at me like, we aren't, we aren't going to do that. Like, he's, we saw what he did to you, and he's throwing us around, and, you know, we're not going to do it. And I'm like, hey, I actually heard from God this time. <laughs> like, trust me, we're going to be okay. You know what I mean? And so... Um, I counted to three, they let go, we all looked away, and while everybody was looking away, he snapped right back into his right mind. We picked him up, grabbed him by the hand, ran him out of the tent, and then got him one-on-one for a a deliverance. The, like, we, we read that story about what happened, and we start kind of this pay grade system of our faith. We're like, you have cancer? <laughs> You're blind? <laughs> they have a demon? <laughs> and, and, and because you're measuring you. You're measuring you. Now, Dano, doesn't that counter the point you said before about taking authority over your atmosphere? No, because that's Christ in you. I'm talking about I went after this thing without even checking in. You know what I mean? Like the Lord... I literally said the words, I got this. I, I did. Um, and, and I was coming from that confidence real of, of what it had been. But I did it apart from my union with Christ. I was going after it with a self-confidence from my journey, but not an in-Christ confidence from actually his center of wisdom and authority. And, and I got tossed. And it was humiliating. And I learned something about faith. I learned something about focus. I learned, yes, I have to take responsibility as a son and daughter of God. But I have to do it in the nature of God. I have to do it from the place of divine union. John 15, he said, apart from me, you can't do anything. I'm the vine and my father is the vine dresser and you are the branches. Listen. When you start measuring your spirituality, you are trying to be the vine dresser. And the only thing you can provide to the equation of vine dresser is the dung, the fertilizer, counting all things lost compared to the excellency of knowing Christ. It's like we can't take the place of the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. The Father is the dresser. You are a branch. Your function is to suck it up. Suck up the divine life. Suck up the divine nature. Suck up the faith you have in Christ Jesus. And stay in union with Christ. It's not something you're creating. It's something you're protecting. All right, here's the final one. We need to finish because the final one was actually the first one, but I saved it for you. Matthew 6 and 25, he said, uh, this is what I tell you, not to worry about everyday life. 
whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And then in verse 30, he said, and if God cares so wonderfully so for wildflowers that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? There it is, the fifth time that he says it. And he's talking just about your everyday stuff. I had this experience with Christ where we were having a challenge in our family's provision and our family's finances. And I had this sense of responsibility. Lord, I've got to provide for my family. The man who doesn't provide for his own family is worse than an infidel. That's what scripture says. I want to be responsible. I want to be faithful. And the Lord said, yeah, but you're not Jehovah Jireh. He said, you're not the provider of your family. You are one stream of provision for your family. I am the provider for your family. And he said, by you sitting on the throne of provider, a provider, you are isolating and cutting off. You are damming up all the other streams of provision I could be bringing into your life. And he said, in the name of responsibility, you have taken my throne. And I want you to abdicate that throne and get your eyes back on me and not upon your job or your business or your gifts or your talents or your hustle or any of those things. Listen, you are to be responsible, but again, you can only be responsible for a piece. God is your provider. And when I got outside of that focus and tried to be my family's provider, our resources began to dry up. Because faith is not faith in you. Faith is not faith in faith. Faith is not how much you have. Faith is who you are focused on. And what you can believe for from his perspective. And I feel like today that there are people that have been in each one of these crises of faith that I talked about today. That each one of these stories, for some of you, it was your story. It's like, wow, I've allowed the atmosphere around me to affect the atmosphere within me. And my lack of faith has been to speak to my atmosphere. To use what I have in Christ to change my situation. For some of you, it's you stepped out in a supernatural life and then something happened. You either got busy or distracted or... Maybe you had a crisis of faith and, and you're not doing it anymore. It's like, get your eyes back on Jesus and start walking. You were made for this. Some of you have forgotten your history. You've forgotten your highlight reel of who Jesus has been for you. And so it's messed with your faith. You're looking at what's not happening now, but you forgot what has happened in your past. And those, that highlight reel of who Christ has been for you is supposed to energize your faith like we've already been exercised at this point. We've already been exercised at this measure. Why do we have to learn this one again? Let's stand. Let's rejoice in the Lord. Let's remember who he has been for us and pull that faith into this situation and release it in this moment. Don't forget who the Lord is and wants to be for you. Or maybe it's like the guy who, the disciples who, listen, they'd cast out all kinds of demons too. 
They'd healed the sick. They'd raised the dead. They'd seen these kind of miracles, and they had that power and authority. But in this situation, they were having a problem. Listen, I was at my son's home group last night, and I met a guy who had an incredible healing gift, and he prayed for somebody at his apartment complex. They took their boot off. They were healed, and about a week later, he saw them. They had the boot back on, and the doctor said that they'd really screwed up their foot by taking that boot off early. And so he quit praying for people. And I, there was so much I wanted to share with him. Listen, like, just because her pain was gone didn't mean that she was done healing. You know what I mean? Like, maybe there was something to speak to the foot, a bone to come back into place or whatever. But I, but I said, listen, don't stop going. Come on, don't stop going. Don't stop trying. Like, like you had... <laughs> First of all, you had partial success. Her pain was gone to the point that she had the faith to take it off and walk around pain-free. And, and then you let this other kind of idea of what happened rewrite the story. And like, did she lose her healing? Did we not finish her healing? I don't know, but don't stop. Don't stop. Just be more responsible next time. Listen, I didn't stop casting out demons when I got thrown across the room. I, I just started asking better questions. <laughs> I just started doing the checkup before I, before I went after it. Not in fear, not in unbelief, not in hesitancy to step out, but in wisdom. Because half the time when something's not happening that we believe is supposed to happen, it's because we haven't got the wisdom for it yet of what's going on. And then finally, what about just your daily provision? Like, who has felt like, oh my gosh, I just realized I'm sitting on the throne of provider. And it's actually blocking my provision. And I've got my faith upon the job that God gave me and my ability to steward it and all that, and, and it's, it's off of, of the Lord seeing in advance and putting everything in place. Your, your salary is not your income. It's one stream of the many streams that God uses to pour into your life. So let's not have little faith anymore. Come on. Because <laughs> the kind of little faith I have is mustard seed faith that can say to that mountain, be thou removed and thrown into a seed. There's been a battle against your faith in this room. And uh, some of you, it's, it's your faith in, in salvation. It's your faith in Christ. And right now is your day. Right now is your time to say, Lord, I'm going to center on you. I'm going to focus on you. I'm not going to focus on how well others have done it. I'm not going to focus on my theological questions. I'm not going to focus on the times that it feel, felt like you failed me. I'm actually going to acknowledge that a lot of these failures was because I was not in the right place. I was not in the right state of mind. I was not checking in. And, 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 and so, God, I'm not going to let those hindrances stop me anymore. I am going to believe. And I'm going to step into this divine union with you by faith in Christ Jesus and what he has done. And put no confidence in the flesh at all. And, and man, if that's you, do it right now. Jesus, like right now, just call on his name. Jesus, I make you the center. Jesus, I make you the focus. Jesus, I am yours and you are mine. I surrender my life to you. But those of you that have been 
you've been faithful to the Lord like the disciples, but you've been in a fight for your faith. I want you in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you, if you've been in a fight for your faith and you found your answer today in the word, all right? Then I'm gonna ask you in a moment to stand to your feet as a sign of I am standing in faith. I'm standing in faith. I'm moving from this place of little faith, of doubting, of distraction, and I'm standing in faith. Are you ready? Man, if that's you, I want you ready. One, two, three. Let's stand in faith. If your faith's been under fire, if you've been in that place of little faith, you've been attacked, you've like, well, Dano, it worked before, and I did everything I knew, but it didn't work this time. Come on, just keep going. Just keep going. Don't stop. Don't turn back. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep listening. Keep watching. Keep centered. Hallelujah. So, Father, I thank you that in this room today, there are those that are totally surrendering and aligning their life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we celebrate their entry into the family. Or, Father, we celebrate the prodigals coming home in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just thank the Lord with our hands for a moment. Let's thank the Lord with our voices for people that are responding to that area of faith right now. But Lord, I also thank you today that you have taken, you ordained that out of all the wonderful churches in our great city, in our great region, that Father, this church would be a stake. It would be the the fragrance and the flavor of the supernatural. It would be a stake of what is impossible rather than what is possible. So, Father, we call in financial miracles for this building. Lord, we call in healing miracles, Lord, for uh, individuals in this room right now that there is healing faith, healing grace in this room. Father, we call in our authority over atmosphere, Lord God. We are not a victim of the atmosphere. We are atmosphere creators, atmosphere changers, atmosphere carriers, Lord. And we release Release the faith, the gift of faith, and the grace of our measure, Lord God, to be who you've called us to be in this city, in Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.